You're listening to the Out Loud Bible Project podcast with Mike Dominey. Out Loud Bible Project is on a mission to read the entire Bible out loud in a conversational and approachable way, so you can recognize your part in this conversation between you and God. Hey, welcome back to the Out Loud Bible Project Podcast. Mike here. We're reading the Bible like a conversation so that we can find our next best yes in our relationship with God. We start a new book in the podcast today. And I know what you're thinking. Maybe you've been with me the past several episodes through the book of Exodus, or you caught the title of today's episode and you're like, wait, really? Leviticus? I know, this is a book we usually skip in our reading. This is the book that takes out many well-intentioned readers who say, oh, I'm going to read through the Bible cover to cover, and Genesis goes pretty well, and Exodus, okay, there's some good stories in there, and it's a little bit dicey through some of the law stuff, but okay, all right, and then you get to Leviticus, and you're like, what have I gotten myself into? Uh, it's, It's basically a handbook for the Levites, the priests of Israel, and we as 21st century Christians don't need to follow what's written in this book because we are not Levitical priests in Israel thousands of years ago. So how are we going to handle this book in this podcast? Well, at one point in this podcast, early on, I had set the goal to read every word of the Bible through this podcast. And yet there's value in that, but I don't want to end up being legalistic about that. Here's what I care about most for you the listener. I care that you understand the Bible and furthermore that you take what you read and you do something about it to grow closer to God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture Yep, that's what it says. All scripture, even Leviticus, yes, even Leviticus, all scripture is inspired. All scripture is useful. Not all scripture is fun to read. Can we be honest? So through these books of Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, there are some stretches where it's just guidelines and laws or lists of people and how many of them there were. Look, in those sections, I will summarize them. And I'll get right to the point. And now if you want to go back and read the specifics, by all means, do so. But if you just want a general understanding and something to take away from it, then that's what you're going to get here. And when the scripture shifts to tell a story of something or someone, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to make sure that we read it for us so that we don't miss any of it. Sound like a plan? Cool. So the book of Leviticus starts with a bunch of guidelines for the new priests to follow. Remember, God had just set up the priesthood in the previous book of Exodus. God established Moses' brother Aaron as the first priest of Israel, and Aaron and his sons will carry out all the very specific responsibilities for helping people get right in the sight of a holy God. So this is brand new for everybody. Right, God has a very detailed expectation of what's going to go down. For everyone else, this is new. It's a new job description, and 
It's a matter of life or death, frankly. God is so holy that if anyone cuts a corner or goes about their job carelessly or irresponsibly, God can't let them remain. So they need a handbook and they need to study it quickly. And now this is that handbook. In Leviticus here, as we're starting out, we're actually going to be covering 10 whole chapters today. We're going to move quick. Um, But let me walk you through them, and then we've got a story of how it unfolds at the end of chapter 9 and into chapter 10. So, So in the first five chapters of the book of Leviticus, God lays out the procedures for five types of offerings that the priests would have to conduct and the people would have to offer. So, In chapter 1, he talks about a burnt offering. Chapter 2 is how to conduct the grain offering. 3 is a peace offering. 4 is a sin offering. And 5 is a guilt offering. Here's what those mean. The burnt offering in chapter 1 was for general atonement and devotion to God. Atonement is one of those words that we use in Bible conversations. It means like being at one with God. In fact, that's how I remember what atone means, because it spells out at one. And so it's like being at one with God, being at peace with God after confessing our sins, basically saying, you are holy, we are not. We have sinned and we have grieved you, we've offended you, uh, and we want to be at one with you again. We want to have a good relationship with you again. And devotion to God, basically saying, you are our God, we are your people. This burnt offering was a a general acknowledgement of all of that, most common offering provided. In chapter 2, where we see the grain offering, we find this in the context of recognizing God's goodness and his provision. We would give based off of the surplus or what we've made off of doing business or the extra harvest and just giving back a portion of what we recognize came from him in the first place. It's similar to how we would want to give today, uh, where, God, you've just blessed us with more than we need, and I want to trust you with this income and anything in the future. Uh, I trust that that provision comes from you and not from the work that I do specifically. So that is where the the heart of the grain offering comes from. The peace offering in chapter 3 involves acknowledging that we're at peace with other individuals. We might offer this offering together back in the day where uh, I would say, I'm at peace with you, you're at peace with me, and we recognize this before God. So we make an offering before God that that says we're all at peace together here. You share a meal, and you commit to fellowship and peace in the eyes of God. Sin offerings were for purification after unintentional sins or uncleanness. Going about recognizing, hey, I am sure as a fallen dumb human <laughs> that I have offended God in some way that I don't even know. And just going about my own sinful self in this fallen world, I'm sure I have crossed a line and I wasn't even aware. I don't intend to do that. I don't want to continue doing that. So this sin offering it acknowledges, again, God, you are holy and we are not. So uh, please accept this offering as my apology and repentance for anything that I'm not even aware of. 
In chapter 5, it talks more specifically about what types of sins require a sin offering. And then it talks about the fifth type of offering, the guilt offering. This is when you are guilty of sin before God or others, and you know it. And there has to be some atonement to make it right. This usually costs something. This is really a sacrifice and and uh, making it right, not just before God, but also before anyone that you may have offended or anyone that you may have wronged or taken anything from. Um, this is a, a sacrifice to help be right with God and people because of our sins. So chapter 6 goes on to talk about those types of sins requiring a guilt offering, more instructions about the grain offering, the burnt offering, procedures for the ordination offering, which is a type of offering to ordain a priest, which is very much relevant to these people at the time, and more instructions about the sin offering. Chapter 7, more instructions. Again, this is the guidebook for the Levites, right? This is how to conduct all of these things in a way that is honorable to God and tells them what's forbidden, like what they can and cannot eat, and describing a a fair share of the offerings that the priests can keep for their own food. Uh, God made this system so that the priests could go about their work, and as they went about their work, they were able to take some of the meat and the grain, whatever was offered. They were able to take some of that for their own wages, basically, to pay for their time and their effort. So God had them in mind and wanted to provide for them. Uh, Chapter 8, Moses carries out the ordination offering, as God described, and ordains Aaron and his sons. And in chapter 9, Aaron and his sons carry out all of these offerings in the sight of the people, kind of like a clean slate, starting this whole thing off. And then we slow down into a bit of a story. Not so much slowing down, it's actually going to speed things up here, and but we're going to be zooming in to see how this all plays out here in chapter 9. And I'll be in verse 22, and we're going to keep going from here. Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them, and he came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting and came out and blessed the people, and Yahweh's glory appeared to all the people. Fire came out from before Yahweh and consumed the burnt offering and the fat upon the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered strange fire before Yahweh, which he had not commanded them. Fire came out from before Yahweh and devoured them and they died before Yahweh. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what Yahweh spoke of, saying, I will show myself holy to those who come near me, and before all the people I will be glorified. Aaron held his peace. Moses called Mishael and Elzaphan, the sons of Uzziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, draw near, carry your brothers from before the sanctuary out of the camp. So they came near and carried them in their tunics out of the camp, as Moses had said. Moses said to Aaron and to Eleazar and to Ithamar, his sons, Don't let the hair of your heads go loose, and don't tear your clothes so that you don't die, so that he will not be angry with all the congregation, but let your brothers, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning which Yahweh has kindled. You shall not go from the door of the tent of meeting lest you die, for the anointing oil of Yahweh is on you. They did according to the word of Moses. Then Yahweh said to Aaron, 
You and your sons are not to drink wine or strong drink whenever you go into the tent of meeting, or you will die. This will be a statute forever throughout your generations. You are to make a distinction between the holy and the common, and between the unclean and the clean. And you're to teach the children of Israel all the statutes which Yahweh has spoken to them by Moses. Moses spoke to Aaron and to Eleazar and to Ithamar, his sons who were left, Take the meal offering that remains of the offerings of Yahweh made by fire, and eat it without yeast beside the altar, for it's most holy. And you shall eat it in a holy place, because it's your portion, and your son's portion, and the offerings of Yahweh made by fire, for so I'm commanded. The waved breast and the heaved thigh you shall eat in a clean place, you and your sons and your daughters with you, for they're given as your portion and your son's portion out of the sacrifices of the peace offering of the children of Israel. They shall bring the heaved thigh and the waved breast with the offerings made by fire of the fat to wave it for a wave offering before Yahweh. It shall be yours and your sons with you as a portion forever as Yahweh has commanded. Moses diligently inquired about the goat of the sin offering, and it was burned. He was angry with Eleazar and with Ithamar, the sons of Aaron who were left, saying, Why haven't you eaten the sin offering in the place of the sanctuary since it's most holy? And he has given it to you to bear the iniquity of the congregation to make atonement for them before Yahweh. What, its blood was not brought into the inner part of the sanctuary? You certainly should have eaten it in the sanctuary as I commanded. Aaron spoke to Moses. They have offered their sin offering and their burnt offering before Yahweh, and such things as these have happened to me. If I had eaten the sin offering today, would it have been pleasing in Yahweh's sight? When Moses heard that, it was pleasing in his sight. Well, now that Jesus has come as our great high priest, we aren't subject to these laws and these procedures that we see here in Leviticus. But one thing that hasn't changed is God's holiness. He's just as holy. And while Jesus has allowed us access to God through himself, that doesn't mean we should downplay the holiness of God. Our sins are just as foul, and our repentance is just as necessary. Knowing the five types of sacrifices in Leviticus, how does this affect how you approach God? Burnt offerings. What is a regular part of your life to keep your heart pure and to show God your devotion? grain offering, what do you give back to God to thank him for his goodness and his provision? Peace offering, do you fellowship with other believers? Are you at peace with them before God? Sin offering, what was the last time you asked God's forgiveness for a sin you didn't even know you did? Do you tend to think you're in the clear if you didn't mean to sin? And the guilt offering, when was the last time you asked God's forgiveness for your sin? Repentance isn't just for becoming a Christian for the first time. And furthermore, did your sin affect someone else? How can you make it right? That's the Thinking Out Loud thought or thoughts for the day. You've been listening to the Out Loud Bible Project podcast with Mike Dominey. When you become a patron of Out Loud Bible Project, you help make the Bible accessible for people who desperately need to know they have a role in this conversation with God. To learn more, visit outloudbible.com and click support this project. Thanks for listening.